Alright, alright. Welcome back to Drop Pass Podcast, my beautiful people. 16th episode underway, and after two pretty lengthy ones, this time around the target is to keep it under one hour. We'll see though if I can manage to do so. We've now covered the free agency, expansion and entry drafts, reviewed each team's previous season, and looked at football transfer market, but still we got another month until the NHL season starts. Last week I promised you guys that I would address the recent headlines in the NHL when it comes to contract situations, so that is certainly something we will look into in today's episode. Season previews will start once we get closer to the beginning of the 2021-2022 season, and at some point we have to look forward at the upcoming Winter Olympics. Since this week they announced that NHL players will be participating in the events once again since the 2014 Sochi Olympics. Besides the contract overview, in this episode we focus on the best upcoming European prospects, who are waiting for their chance to break into the NHL. I'm not going to go into detail on every prospect, but more so highlight the most notable ones, so that you can start to pay closer attention to their performances in each individual's respective league. Today we will go through the first 16 teams, and next week we handle the rest of the remaining organizations, as you could probably guess already. Still, I'm open for suggestions and feedback, so don't be afraid to tell me what you think of the podcast and the episodes. I'm here to improve myself and the content each week. Remember to press that follow button in Spotify if you haven't already. You don't want to miss any upcoming episodes the closer we get to the start of the NHL season. So get your notebooks ready, because I can assure you that you might want to put some names down and check their highlights. But without further ado, let's get going. Another week started, and to be completely honest, I had to start it by going over my previous notes, because some time has passed since we last time checked the NHL contract situation, so I'd say it was appropriate to come back to it before we have another one-hour episode in order to scramble through all of the events. I guess the last deals I mentioned were the Jumbo Joe and Andrew Cobb deals, so that means that we will continue from 13th of August onwards. I'm not going to bother you with the entry-level deals since there has been plenty of them, and I can address them closer to the season if the players make the teams out of camp. Nevertheless, Let's get right to it. And even though I told you that I wasn't going to pay any attention to entry-level deals, I'm already making an exception to the rule. But this situation is overall pretty unique. Yanis Jerome Moser was signed to an entry-level deal, and what makes this player very intriguing is the fact that he was passed twice at the entry draft, and after stellar season in the NLA, Arizona Coyotes decided to draft the defenseman in the second round. He will start his season most likely in the AHL with the Tucson Roadrunners, but the way their roster is shaping up, he could see more than a handful of NHL games this upcoming season. 
Last year, he notched 30 points in 38 games for BLBN and played seven games in the World Championships and added two apples to his score sheet. He was the team captain last season in Switzerland and really took a huge step in his development and this well-rounded smooth skating defenseman could become a top six demon already in few years for the Yotes. Other notable signings from that day were Kale Fleury's and Carson Turinski's one-year extensions with the Kraken, but the main one was Jason Dickinson, who signed a three-year sheet with the Canucks with 2.65 million contract. The next day Detroit signed last year's standout Adam Ernie to two-year 2.1 million extension, and the day after it was time for some big boy deals. First, Minnesota signed their agile winger Kevin Fiala to one-year extension worth 5.1 million, and then Nashville secured their number one goalie, Jose Saros, to a four-year 5 million extension. Saros's contract is a reminiscent of Jordan Bennington's deal, since they both had similar type of seasons when it comes to their statistics. Difference being that Bennington won a Stanley Cup in his contract year, but I think Saros is very deserving of this deal with the way he dragged the team to the playoffs this past year. Fiala though is a hard one since Kaprizov is still a question mark and Fiala has been one of their more prolific forwards in the past few years. His next contract pretty much depends on this year's performance and he could be looking similar kind of numbers to Jakub Vrana for example and it could be hard for a while to keep him with that kind of money if he produces for them next year as well. Overall good deals for both players, but to me Fiala's contract was a strange one, since you can expect him to ask for a long-term deal once this one ends. Then a few days later, the Fleury saga came to a conclusion when Vegas Golden Knights terminated the contract of Mikael Hakkarainen, who was the piece that Knights got back from Fleury deal. I still can't wrap my head around the deal, and like I've said, the only reason which makes sense to me is the cap situation the Knights are in, but still, that is nowhere close to return you would look for. That same day, the buyout market raised his head again when the Red Wings bought out last year of Franz Nielsen's contract. He's been on their bottom six the last few years and even been at the press box at times, so you understand why Steve Eisenman wanted the 5.25 million deal off their books as soon as possible. The rebuild is in progress in Detroit and he didn't end up being the only old-timer who left the team this offseason. Next up was Calgary's turn to make some moves and like I mentioned in the free agency episode, Nikita Zadorov was going to sign with them despite the trade rumors surrounding him. He signed a one-year deal with the Flames and alongside him, Juuso Välimäki prolonged his stay in Calgary with two-year extension. Zadarov will earn 3.75 million next year, while Valimäki's salary will be 1.55 million. And finally, a few days later, they signed their last remaining restricted free agent, Dylan Dubé, to a two-year, 2.3 million contract. And now their roster seems to be ready for the next season, with all players signed and 1.3 million in cap space. The next day, Philly also secured one of their mainstay D-men for the next two years when Travis Sanheim signed a two-year, 4.675 million contract, while they also acquired Derek Brassard as a free agent, and lastly, Jean-Claude Tourier put pen to paper and secured himself a nice pension with 
eight year 7.7 million deal keep the change they're probably now done with all the signings and trades finally and most of all ready to challenge the other teams in metropolitan division which will be tough as nails Andrei Svechnikov also earned himself a nice paycheck when he signed an 8-year 7.75 million deal with Carolina, which could become a real steal in year or two. But that wasn't the bombshell you probably anticipated since on 28th of August, Carolina offersheeted Jesper Gotkaniemi with 1-year 6.1 million deal and $20 f*** you signing bonus. And if you don't know the backstory of this saga, Montreal offersheeted Sebastian Aho in 2019, which Carolina eventually matched, and this is why the signing bonus of $20 was included. Aho's number is 20 for your information. Nowadays it is almost an unwritten rule that if you offersheet someone, you will receive one yourself at some point. That is almost guaranteed. Well, you might know what happened eventually. GM Bergevin said thanks for coming, au revoir, and decided not to match the offer sheet and received 2022 first and third round draft picks for their efforts. That led them to trade block shopping and eventually they found a fit from Arizona. Christian Dvorak and acquired him with their own 2022 first rounder and added 2024 second rounder to seal that deal. What do I think of the deal? I mean, at the end of the day, I wasn't too rattled with all the shenanigans. Kotkanemi was drafted earlier than expected based on his position and the 6.1 million the Hurricanes offered him was a total overpayment, which everyone knows. If they would have matched Carolina's offer, they would have been in trouble as well, in a sense that it would have been impossible to trade him next year, since the regulations deny his trading within the year he was offersheeted, and next offseason Montreal would have had to qualify him with previous season's cap hit, the 6.1 million. So you get me now why it wasn't that bad of a deal for the Habs. He will likely become a reliable 2C option at some point, but until now he hasn't shown any magic upside yet, while Dvorak has already established his presence in the NHL, and even though he's coming out of a down year from his standards, I expect him to bounce back in Montreal. He has also pretty team-friendly deals, so if he stands out in Montreal, the deal could look even better for the Habs. But now that that's out of the way, we will cruise through rest of the remaining contract news. Jordy Ben signed one-year deal with Minnesota Wild. Connor Murphy extended his stay in Chicago with four-year 4.4 million sheet. Eli Tolvanen earned himself his first real NHL deal with the Preds, three years 1.45, and then the Islanders went ham the next day. Casey Zizikas, six years 2.5 million. Elias Sorokin, 3 years, 4 million. Carl Palmieri, 4 years, 5 million. And finally, Anthony Belvillier, 3 years, 4.15 million. And Sizik's comment on his contract pretty much sums it up. I'm going to die as an Islander. Okay, buddy. Hopefully not. The next day, Colton Prego earned his big boy contract when he signed 8-year deal worth 6.5 annually with the Blues. 
Carter Rowney was acquired by the Red Wings with one year sheet. Louis Domingue continues his career in Pittsburgh. Riley Shehan got out of Buffalo when Seattle signed him to a one year sheet. Brad Richardson and Eric Goodbranson were signed by Calgary Flames. And lastly, Jack Johnson and Artem Anisimov earned professional tryouts with Colorado Avalanche. And then we arrive to the last notable extensions Buffalo. Casey Middlestad and Henry Okiharjo, both three years, 2.5 million annually. Joel Furby, six years, 5 million with the Flyers. Philip Ronek, three years, 4.4 annually with the Red Wings. And the last one, Greg Batherson, six years, 4.975 with the Senators. Most of the RFAs have now signed with their respective teams, but still many notable young studs remain unsigned. Here are the highlights. Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes, Predicate Chuck, Rasmus Dalin, Kiefer Bellows, Robert Thomas, Nolan Patrick, Kyler Yamamoto, Logan Brown, and last but certainly not least, Kirill Kabrizov. Vancouver has about 10 million in cap space to lock up these two stallions. Kabrizov will receive most likely roughly 10 million sheet from the wild by himself islanders oilers golden knights and blues have to find cap space to sign bellows yamamoto patrick and thomas to contracts while senators could sign both ketchuk and brown to 10 million deals and still be under the cap and as you would expect sabers don't have anything to worry about when it comes to their cap space there are still question marks around teams like i've said from the beginning Since the cap situation is extremely tight for many teams and the way young players have earned big deals in their early careers, there could be still room for a few major moves before the season starts rolling. I repeat myself, don't act surprised. And before we move to the European top prospects, I have to mention the players that decided to leave North America this offseason. So here comes the quick roundup of all the departures. Jokim Nordström, Lukas Walmark, Mihal Grigorenko and Nikita Nesterov, CSKM Moscow, Jordan Will and Steven Kampfer, Kazan, Jake Virtanen, Spartan Moscow, David Krejci, Olomuch, Marco Dano, Trinech, Markus Sörensen, Dew Gordon, Karl Söderberg, Malmö, Chase Harlouk, Sheleftel, Dominika Hoon, Bern, Gaitan Haas, BLBN, Valtteri Filppula, Geneve, and finally, Dennis Malkin, John Quenville, and Yannick Weber to Zurich. But that's about it. Most likely missed one or two, but it is what it is. Should we move on to the prospects finally? I think so. So let's move on. And now we get to the trenches. Top European prospects up next, and I have to clarify that we will be discussing about players that are playing in the European leagues, so players that have made their transitions to North America, either NHL, AHL, or major juniors or college, don't count towards this specific ranking. I might make few exceptions though, since, for example, Anton Lundell and Yegor Shinakov haven't actually played any games in North America yet, but are bound to play next season in NA, so I will include few exceptions to this category as well to point out the biggest studs of each team. 
some of the geography teachers here will most likely be like, well, dumbass, Russia isn't part of Europe. Well, halfway it is, so it counts in my standards. And many of the top prospects play in the KHL, so there's also that. Could have done separate episodes for the KHL, but I think this will be way more enjoyable. But I guess that's enough of an introduction, so should we get right to it? We will go through each team's depth chart, and if I skip some teams or glance through them quickly, that means that they got no real European talents, so that should save some time at least. But first up is the Ducks, and surprisingly their biggest European assets are in the crease. Defenseman Axel Andersson, who they got from Boston, is the only real exception, but the main guns are Lucas Dostal, Roman Derny, and Ole Eriksson Ek. Dostal is undoubtedly the biggest stud out of these three, and if you ask me, it is only a matter of time when he becomes an NHL starter. He's had outstanding seasons in Liga, and already showed his pedigree in the AHL last season, playing in 24 contests and recording .916 save percentage and 2.87 goals against average. Add to that three games in the playoffs with .935 same percentage and 2.54 goals against average, and you have a successor to John Gibson ready to take the crease. Anderson should find his way to the NHL at some point, but the other two goalies are bigger question marks in my books. Arizona Coyotes, on the other hand, have a handful of promising European prospects, and they are led by right-handed, smooth-skating Swedish defenseman Viktor Söderström. And I know, he played his first full year in the AHL last year, but he started his season in the Allsvenskan, and I really like the guy, so that's why he is in here. He has all the tools to become a reliable top four defenseman, and a top pairing D-man isn't that far-fetched either. Last year, 10 points in 32 games with Tucson, and 4 games in the show with 2 points. Only concern for me is defensive game, but once he gets used to smaller ice surface, I expect him to make an impact in North America as well. He should find himself on their NHL roster once the season starts, and other notables include Matthias Macelli, Jan Jenik, and Janis Jerome Moser. I already talked about Moser, so let's take a look at the other two prospects. Yannick spent his last season in Finnish Mestis as well as AHL and NHL. In 29 AHL games, he registered 14 points and in two NHL games added two Genos to go along. He was their third-round pick, and if he can develop his defensive game even more, he could find his place in their top nine at some point because the offense is there to be a strong middle six option. Same goes with Macelli, who's had two pretty strong seasons in Finland, and last season he notched 39 points in 51 regular season games. The only downside for him is his size, and even though speed and skill are the focal points of the NHL nowadays, it still plays a part in NHL hockey. He's accustomed to North American ice surface since he spent two years in the USHL, before coming back to Finland, so next year could be very significant on his journey to the NHL. Because unfortunately, the opportunities don't pass by each day, and on that level, you have to use those opportunities to your advantage. I fully hope and believe that both players will have their chances in the bright lights, 
since the roster isn't best they've seen in recent years, so the chances should be there to show why they were worth relatively high draft picks. Lastly, I want to mention there this year's second round draft pick, Ilya Fedotov, since he will be a boom or bust type of prospect. He has a huge tool set of offensive gifts, but will he be able to develop into an offensive monster? That will be the question. But then we head to Boston, who unfortunately has one of the worst prospect pools in the NHL, and it also shows in their European prospects. Urho Vakanainen hasn't been able to stabilize his spot in the NHL, unfortunately, and most of their prospects are starting to creep towards the stage where you would expect them to take their spot in the majors. Oskar Steen, Jakub Lauko, Joona Koppanen and Viktor Berilund belong to this category, and while Boston has had success in recent years, they paid the price in entry drafts, and it shows in their prospect pool. Their brightest prospect currently is recently drafted Fabian Lucelle, who to me was a steal at 21, and I bet that this is one of those two small arguments which teams will regret at some point. While he wasn't outstanding during his SHL season, he was the offensive leader of Sweden's U18 team and was a force to be reckoned with in under-18 world championships. He has the speed, skill and awareness to develop into a very prolific top 6 player and I can see even higher upside in him than many other fans and scouts do. He's shifty and crafty playmaker who could blossom alongside a real goal scorer so in conclusion, I have relatively high expectations for him. He's still a few years away from NHL hockey, so with few stellar seasons in Europe and AHL, I would say that top 6 is just the start for him. Vaganainen though is on the verge of breaking into the NHL, and I think that the organization should give him a real chance to show his skills in the show, since while he probably won't wow you with offensive output, you will get reliable two-way presence to your back end, night in and night out. They currently have pretty stacked decor, so it could be hard to break into it, but once the injuries start to occur, he should take full advantage of the situation and force the beast coaching staff to play him. I have full confidence in him and expect to see him in more than 16 games on the NHL ice. One of, if not the worst team in the NHL in recent years, has been the Buffalo Sabres, and at this point, you would expect that their system is full of high-value prospects, but that isn't necessarily the case. They have high-end talent on their ranks, but how many of them can make an impact on this organization is the bigger question in my mind. Artur Rotsalainen has been jogging along quite nicely and should start the season in the NHL. Ukko-Pekka Luukkonen got his feet wet last season in four games with the Sabres, and overall they have few very intriguing European prospects coming up their ranks. Oskar Laksonen debuted in the AHL last year and recorded 17 points in 28 games, and 12 points in 20 Liga games pretty much sums up the fact that he should fight for a spot in the NHL in few years. Lukas Rusek could be their biggest surprise as a 6th round draft pick. Since last year, he raised his level and recorded 38 points in 49 games in Czech Extraliga. 
He probably won't have as high ceiling as the others on this list, but he could become Carl Huglin type electric bottom six option for the Sabres, who can chip in offensively from time to time. Linus Weisbach is another intriguing prospect, since now he's done with his collegiate career in Wisconsin and is headed to professional surroundings. His senior year in University of Wisconsin was by far his most prolific, 41 points in 31 games, but the question remains, will his size lower his chances of becoming an NHL player? He hasn't been lights out in the NCAA, but it would be nice to see another 7th round draft pick finding his way to the NHL. I have my doubts about that, but there still is a chance for the undersized playmaker to make his way into the big league. But if not, becoming a big-time point producer in European leagues is more than possible. But their biggest European prospect is 2022 second-round draft pick John Jason Peterka, without question. He was lights out in the World Juniors and spent time in both German Dell and Austrian Ice Hockey League. In DEL, he recorded outstanding 20 points in 30 games, and in the U20s, he put on a show with 10 points in 5 games. The electric skilled German forward is poised for a top 6 spot in the NHL, and it is only a matter of time once he makes his jump to North America. Just remember his name when he decides that the next step for him is NA. Isaac Rosen was a good pickup in the first round this year, and he could become a top 6 offensive threat if all goes well. Could find himself as a scoring winger in the middle six as well. Last two players worth mentioning are Russian forwards Prokhor Poltapov and Alexander Kisakov, since they are a bit of a wild card when it comes to their future. Both players have the tools to become effective players in the NHL if they are able to make it finally happen. Calgary Flames, on the other hand, don't have that many European prospects to celebrate. Only players worth mentioning at this point are Belarusian Ilya Solovyov and two Swedes Emil Heinemann and William Strömgren. Solovyov spent last season in the KHL and even though his frame suggests that he could make his way into the NHL at some point, I still see him more of a career-long KHL player rather than NHL 1. Strömgren is still very raw prospect but if he pans out, he could develop into an effective top 9 option for the Flames, and Heinemann on the other hand could find himself in an energy role in their bottom 6. The two players that have already spent time in North America are Adam Rutsitska and Martin Pospisil, and these two are the most likely to find themselves on the NHL ice on a bottom 6 role. Rutsitska played his junior years in the OHL, while Pospisil spent time in Sioux City, before graduating to Always Hungry League. Both of them have frames for the NHL and have already showed their strengths in the NHL ice. So if Calgary starts to freshen up their roster next year, at least Rusicka should be on their radar, if not both. But then we move to Carolina. The most finished team in the NHL and that shows on their prospect rankings as well. Their top Europeans include Dominic Bach, Ville Koivunen, Tuukka Tieksola, Vasili Ponemarov, Aleksi Heimosalmi, Eetu Mäkiniemi and Pietro Kochetkov. Add to that Zajan Nubek, Noel Gündler, Patrick Puistola and Anthony Honka and you have pretty healthy amount of up-and-coming talents. 
Bonamarov spent his junior years in the QMJHL and moved to KHL for this year, so I will skip him at this point since we got enough prospects to go through. First player on this list is another German, Dominic Bach, who was former first round draft pick by the St. Louis Blues. Last year he skated for Drew Gordon before moving to North America for his first AHL season with the Chicago Wolves. He recorded 18 points in 29 games and the smaller ice surface seemed to suit him pretty well. He was pretty highly touted prospect coming into his draft year but ended up falling more than many expected. His biggest strength is his shot and his overall offensive game is really noticeable with good stick handling and fairly strong skating. How high his ceiling is, is still a question, because the years spent in the SHL were not, at, were not on the level at least I expected, but if he continues to improve his game in North America, we could see him on their NHL roster already next year. I would say middle six offensive-minded winger could be the future for him, but we'll see how it goes. Next up, Ville Koivonen. They're this year's second round draft pick out of Oulun Karpat. Last year he was the most prolific U18 player in Finnish U20 league and had a strong showing in the U18 World Championships as well by notching 10 points in 7 games and leading the Finns offense alongside Philadelphia Flyers prospect Samu Tuomaala. Koivonen is an intriguing prospect to me since he has very high skill set while his skating isn't anything out of ordinary. He's a very efficient playmaker who also showed his goal-scoring ability last year. Next year it will be interesting to see him in the U20 World Championships and that could show a bit more where he is headed in his development curve. But for now, very solid pick by the Canes. His teammate Tuukka Tieksola had a breakout season last year in Finnish Liga and recorded 18 points in 37 games in the regular season. He is their former fourth-round draft pick and next year could show if he's ready to take the next step towards the NHL. His upside is in top 9 role in the GL, but more likely he will rip European leagues to shreds and make a living in the KHL, but we'll see how he develops this year. Hopefully makes his way to the NA eventually. Then we have Alexi Heimosalami, and he climbed up the rankings after stellar showing in the U18 World Championships. He was by far Finland's leading D-man in the tournament and finished it with 8 points in 7 games and was elected to the All-Star team at the end of it. If you ask me, he has the highest ceiling out of these players since his skating and two-way prowess is so strong that once he fills his frame he could become a top 4 D-man in the next level. I have that much confidence in him. Koivonen is pretty close but I see the dynamic two-way presence in Heimo Salmi and the growth he showed last year was very promising to me. This year he will play his first games in the men's league, so we'll see how he copes with much more experienced players. Excited to see him in the U20s as well. But then we move to the last players on this list, and both of them are goalkeepers. Eetu Mäkinemi and Piotr Kocetko. Mäkinemi had his first year as a starter for Ilves last year, once Lucas Dostal packed his bags and moved to North America. He had good but not great season in Liga, with 0.907 save percentage and 2.59 goals against average, but I expect those numbers to improve this year, now that he has his first full year under his belt. He was their former fourth round draft pick, so there are no huge expectations for him, 
but if he makes it, he could become a solid backup for some stat starter at some point. Could it be Gochetkov? Only time will tell, but for certain, he has the bigger expectations from the team. Former second round draft pick has spent the last two seasons in the KHL as a fringe backup, and this year he will start his year with Torpedo Nizhny Novgorod. He seemingly is too good for VHL and MHL, but for some reason he hasn't found a starting spot yet in Russia. He could be the next Russian netminder that makes the jump to the NHL like Samsonov and Sorokin did, but next year could be vital for his future when considering the NHL option. He's now 22, so he still has few years ahead of him, if he follows the same path as the other Russian goaltenders before him. Starter caliber, but does he pan out? We will see in a few years. Others on this list are a bit more dubious, except for Noel Gundler, who should sign his entry-level contract this year with the Canes. He should have a chance to break into the NHL at some point, but this year in the NHL shows where he is in his development curve. Bustola had a down season last year, and Honga and Nubek are question marks because of their size, so this year could be very detrimental for their future on the depth chart. We'll see what happens. Next up, Chicago, and get ready for a tire pump, because these guys have one of my favorite European prospects coming up their ranks. But first, let's take a look at the others, and unfortunately, there ain't too many. Hendrik Borgström spent last year in Liga, and while he has played almost 60 games in the NHL, I wanted to include him in this episode because of his past season. He started the season struggling, but elevated his game during the end part of the season, and finished it with 21 points in 30 games, while adding 5 points in 8 playoff games. He should start the season with the NHL squad, but the line he will play in is still a question. He will most likely fight for a spot on their bottom 6, and that could end up being his ceiling in the bright lights if he doesn't find his production on the next level. He has a good skill set, frame, and is good on both ends of the ice, which should suit him in those roles. Hopefully he finds a way to stay in the NHL, and the minor trips are finally behind him. We'll see if he blossoms in Chicago, since I would expect even more ice time for him in the Windy City. Another promising prospect for the Blackhawks is undrafted goaltender Arvid Söderblom, who had a standout season in the SHL last year with Sheleftel, posting .922 save percentage and 2.02 goals against average, and add to that .951 save percentage and 1.54 goals against average in two playoff games. He has the frame to develop into NHL goalie, and I fully believe that with few seasons maturing in the AHL, could improve his chances of accomplishing that goal even more. Still for the Blackhawks, but what his ceiling will be is another question we need an answer to. But the main attraction in Blackhawks organization is another German, their 2020 first round draft pick, Lukas Reichel. I'm very high on this guy, just like many others, but the World Championships already showed why he is so highly touted prospect. Six points in nine games, and he was their third best point getter in the tournament as a 19-year-old. Mind you, they had likes of Tobias Rieder and Dominic Cahun on their roster, 
and colleague John Baterka was only able to put up one point in six games. Add to that his stellar DEL season, where he registered 27 points in 38 games and added five points in nine playoff games. He screams first line forward and he could already start his season with the Blackhawks if the camp goes well. I don't know if it's the best option for his development, but certainly he should spend the next year in the AHL. He's extremely talented playmaker with very good skating and excellent awareness on the ice. He makes his linemates better and you should expect to see him in the NHL in the next couple of years without questions. Mark this guy down if you haven't already. But then we move to Colorado and they haven't been huge supporters of the European prospects in recent years and their success has also decreased their prospect amount to some extent. They have only two notable European prospects so let's take a look at them before we move to Columbus. First up is Justus Annonen, goalkeeper drafted 64th overall in 2018, who had his second full season in Finnish Liga last year. 24 games, 0.884 save percentage and 2.43 goals against average is nothing to write home about, when the year prior his numbers were 0.929 and 1.77. That's pretty significant drop in my eyes. He also got his first taste of the AHL when he played in two games in the regular season and added one more in the playoffs with the Colorado Eagles. He's still 21 years of age, so he has room to grow. Since especially goalies tend to take longer time in their development, there is still room to improve for him in the next few years. His frame is suitable for the NHL and I fully believe that he will bounce back from the bad last season. At best, starter for an NHL team, but at worst, good fringe starter for a team with two goalie tandem. The other prospect I want to mention is this year's first rounder, Oscar Olausen, out of HV71. Last year he spent time in SHL, Altsvenskan and even Junior 20 National, but next year he will suit up for Barry Colts in the OHL, because he made the decision to get used to the smaller ice surface and North American play style. I like his game and he has the tools to become a top 6 two-way winger at the next level. He has good frame and his skating is his biggest asset and I really like that GM Joe Sakic to get chance on this kid with their first round pick. You can expect big numbers from him in the OHL and become a good contributor for the Avs at the next level. But then we head to Columbus, whose this year's draft was a major success. Three first-round draft picks. How they will pan out, that only time will tell. The probability is there, but we've seen whiffs in the past. Looking at you, Bruins. Remember 2015? Yeah, I thought so. But Blue Jackets have been drafting pretty well, and their prospect pool already tells the story. Top EU prospects, Dimitri Voronkov, Yegor Shinakhov, Kirill Marchenko, Stanislav Zvozil and Daniel Tarasov. Pretty Russia heavy, but let's take a look at the stats, shall we? Shinakhov has the biggest expectations out of this party, even though many thought that he was a reach in 2020 when he was picked in the first round. 17 points in 32 games last year with Omsk, but I think that will only be the beginning 
to his professional career. He will attend CBJ's training camp and could find his spot on their opening night roster and that wouldn't surprise me one bit. He's quick, agile, good puck handler and his biggest asset is his shot. He's a pure bread sniper and if you imagine Patrick Laine and Shinahov on their top two lines, they could wreck some havoc, let me tell you. We'll see how well he sits with the smaller ice surface, but he could end up being a huge deal for the Blue Jackets in the long run. The other highly touted Russian on the ranks is Kirill Marchenko, and boy is he starting to grow into his frame. The silky smooth right-handed shot has already registered 5 points in his first 4 games this year in the KHL, and last year already showed that he is capable of putting the puck in the net with 15 goals and 13 assists in 41 games for Ska. I'm really excited to see what kind of numbers he will be able to put up this season with the KHL's powerhouse, because he has already showed flashes of domination in those first five games. Highlights show written all over him. The last Russian forward on this list is Dmitry Voronkov, and you might remember me talking about this kid in the World Championships episode, because he surprised many viewers by his play in that tournament. His season though hasn't started as well as he ended the world champs, but if he continues to develop, Blue Jackets could have another steal on their hands in the next few years. Just look at the previous two studs. Stanislav Zvozil though had a pretty rough year before he was drafted. He had pretty disappointing U18 tournament while he played 30 games in the extra Liga for Brno. He ended up dropping all the way to third round and keep in mind that he was projected to go somewhere between 20 and 50 before the U18s, but his performances in that tournament sunk his value pretty far. He will play next season in the WHL and it will be very crucial for his development since if he gets comfortable with the North American ice, he could end up being another steal for the Jackets, as you would expect at this point. The last player that earned a quick mention is Daniel Tarasov, and he is the wild card on this list, since his level has been up and down in recent years, so it is very hard to predict his future by looking at his numbers. The frame and technical ability is there, and if he stands out in the AHL, they have their next future goalie on their ranks, or at least should. Dallas Stars have already drafted their European players, and they are already established their names in the NHL, so there is not much to choose from. Hint, Heiskan and Gurianov have already graduated, so that leaves me with two names. Jacob Peterson and Artyom Grushnikov. Peterson was drafted in the fifth round in 2017 and had his first standout year in the SHL last year with Faria Stad. 33 points in 46 games is very decent, and this year he will most likely start the season with Texas Stars in the AHL. If he keeps developing with this pace, his ceiling is somewhere in the bottom six as an energy player who can chip in offensively from time to time. Grushnikov was their second round draft choice this year, and while he is very raw specimen, his frame and toolset intrigues many scouts, and clearly stars saw the upside in him as well. He's a good shutdown player that moves the puck pretty well, even though he isn't known for his offensive prowess. Now that he's in the OHL, we should see how he fits in the smaller ice surface, 
let's wait to see what we get. But then we arrive to Detroit and boy, oh boy, is it looking juicy, huh? I guess if you listened to previous episodes, you probably know how much I respect Jim Steve Eiserman and how big of a fanboy of his I am. Here is another reason why it is like that. Detroit's top European prospects, Theodor Niederbach, Lucas Raymond, Jonathan Berggren, Moritz Seider, Albert Johansson, Simon Edvinson, Emil Viro, William Wallinder, and Jesper Eliasson. Yeah, it's pretty sweet heavy, but I think they have enough proof of that being pretty beneficial. Lidstrom, Zetterberg, Franzen to name a few. Sader and Raymond are the top dogs without question, but Edvinson and Berggren follow close behind, and even the others have good chances to break into the NHL at some point. Berggren, Niederbach, Johansson and Wallinder were all second round draft picks, and Viro has showed glimpses of possible steal potential from third round alongside Esper Eliasson. Raymond and Sider will be studs in the NHL, you just wait, and Berggren will find his way into the top six most likely without much hesitation. Edvinson's upside is still unknown, but the raw skill he possesses and the huge frame give something to hope for from this Swedish blue liner. The others should find themselves in supporting roles at the next level, but overall I'm extremely excited to see these young guns in action already next season. There is so much upside here that I can only tip my cap to the organization and the way they've constructed their rebuild. It is still in progress, but the way things are going, it should get well pretty soon in Town. Edmonton though don't have as much when it comes to European prospects, and they have only few names that pop up when you consider their future certainty in the NHL. They are Filip Broberg and Ilya Konovalov. Yes, unfortunately, that's it. They focus on North American prospects and to be quite honest, their drafting hasn't been that fantastic when you really look into it. Broberg was the standout here, drafted 8th overall in 2019 and the gifted two-way defenseman has been developing the past few years in the SHL, but this year could be exception to that. Last year he notched 13 points in 44 games for Sheleftel and I wouldn't worry too much about his production since he really hasn't been known for his offensive prowess in the men's league. He's extremely sound in his own end and his biggest asset by far is his skating. He has the ability to carry puck up the ice with ease and close the gaps into neutral zone with ease, which makes him a standout on both ends of the ice. He will most likely pair up with this counterpart right-handed Evan Bouchard at some point, and these two alongside Darnell Nurse should establish a steady defense core for the Oilers for years to come. Will he find his offense in the next level? We'll see, but if not, he will become extremely solid two-way shutdown option for their first two pairings, without a doubt. Konovalov, on the other hand, has already established his name in the KHL, and although last year his numbers dropped a bit from previous season, he should be part of the next Russian goalie wave that arrives in North America. He's on the smaller side when it comes to his frame, but very well compensates it with his agility and quickness, same way Ilya Sorokin does with the Islanders. If he makes the jump to North America this year, 
expect him to start in the AHL and in few years when Koskinen and Smith are far gone from Edmonton, Stuart Skinner and Konovalov should be their one-two punch if nothing drastic happens. Florida is in good shape and even though they have already pretty stacked lineup, they still have few good upcoming prospects on their system as well, led by Grigory Denisenko and Anton Lundell. Alexi Heponiemi and Etu Luostarinen are on the verge of breaking into NHL, but the only remaining name besides others mentioned before is German national Justin Schutz. So you could say it is pretty top-heavy at the moment, but they got few North Americans coming up as well. But Schutz is one to look for, since he had a breakout season in DEL last year, and he had pretty much similar numbers to his line mate. Previously mentioned John Peterka, but the difference here is that Schutz was a 6th round draft pick, and he is 2 years older than Peterka. Nevertheless, he won't probably find a spot in the NHL as of right now, but if he continues to develop, he could find a similar role to, for example, Dominic Cahoon after a few stellar seasons in Europe. But when it comes to the two studs, Denisenko and Lundell, they are home runs. Lundell took a huge leap in his offensive game last year and finished the season with 25 points in 26 games in Finnish Liga and was a standout in World Juniors as well, where he notched 10 points in 7 games. His overall game is impressive for his age and the last thing for him to hone out is the physical side of things, but that could come up with age, same way Barkov developed his during his time in Florida. The bad thing here is that Panthers lineup is stacked from top to bottom and it could be hard to penetrate into that top 12 without seasoning in North America. That's why I see him in the AHL this year, but when injuries happen, expect to see him in the bright lights as soon as it happens. And by the way, if he doesn't blow away with his point totals this year, don't worry, it is only the first step on his journey. So relax, take a deep breath and let your heart rate slow down a bit. But the last player for Panthers is Grigory Denisenko and oh boy how much I enjoy watching this guy. Absolute magician, so deceptive with the puck and his playmaking ability is straight up porn. It also doesn't hurt that he has quick feet and hands so what else would you need as an offensive threat. Shot maybe but that's coming along nicely as well so I guess that package is done. 9 points in 15 AHL games last season and 4 assists in 7 NHL regular season games speaks for itself. He screams first line forward and he could rip AHL to stretch alongside Lundell this year if he doesn't find a place up top. Extremely interesting to see how these two studs develop next year and where they are assigned to at the start of the season. Los Angeles is as well in a good shape, the difference being that most of their European prospects are already in their farm system, waiting for their chance to break into the NHL. And that could be ahead of them already this season since many of them had a cup of coffee last year when few injuries riddled the team. Rasmus Kupari, Samuel Fajimo, Tobias Bjornfot and Jakob Moverare have already made their impacts on North American ice, so that leaves only few players that are still based across the Atlantic. Recently drafted Samuel Helenius, Kasper Simon Taival, Helge Granz, Kirill Kirsanov and Kim Nozianen 
are pretty much the only notable players that haven't already made their leaps to NA. Helenius could top out as an effective penalty killer in bottom six. Only downside for both Simon Taival and Nousianen is their small frames, but if everything goes to plan, they could find themselves in an NHL roster at some point, since both guys have the skill sets to step into the bright lights. Especially Nousianen has taken huge steps in his development in past few years, and already last year he was one of their in-game leaders on the team, and deserved A on his chest for his efforts. Simon Taival will get a better chance to showcase his talents in Kalpa this year, so you should expect to see better numbers from him as well. There is still plenty of road ahead, but I have full belief in both of them, and a small tire pump for local studs is always in place. Kirsanov is a wild card when it comes to his projection, since there doesn't seem to be any consistency in his game, but already in four KHL games he has registered to assist for the Russian powerhouse SKA St. Petersburg, which I wasn't expecting to be completely honest. He could be a steal from third round, but next few years could show where his future finally is, the KHL or the NHL. Helge Granz is the most intriguing one out of these guys, since his frame suggests that he has all the tools to elevate his game to the next level with ease, but for now, expectations are moderate on his journey. I like his overall game, and his movement for such a big guy is pretty smooth. His handedness also is a big advantage, and his first year in North America could show where his ceiling might be. Still work in progress, but the toolset is there to be used. The penultimate team of this episode is Minnesota Wild, who certainly have upcoming European talents on their pipeline. The standouts, Marco Rossi, Marat Kuznutinov, Philip Johansson, and none other than Jesper Wallstedt. Not bad, I would say. No, but for real, Rossi and Wallstedt will be studs, no questions, but you should pay attention to the others as well. Kuznutinov was picked 37th overall and just slipped to the second round in 2020 and he already is on point per game pace in the KHL with 4 points in 4 games with SKA St. Petersburg. He has extremely high motor and his two-way prowess connected with good puck skills screams top 6 option in the future. If he doesn't pan out as a top 2 line player, Third line two-way energy boost is the worst you can get, so get excited for this guy as well. Rossi made his comeback after year-long health issues, so the best thing here is that he is back in full health. How much the absence degraded his development? Probably to some extent, but he's so talented that with work and commitment, he should find his former self with no time. And what can I even say about Wallstead? Still out of the draft and a lead written all over him. I think that's enough said. Philip Johansson was their former first round draft pick as well, and he has already started his season in the SHL. Expect him to make the leap to North America after this season, and if Frölunda doesn't make the playoffs, he could already get the taste of NHL or AHL hockey already next spring. At worst, extremely liable top 60 man with good two-way ability, but we'll see how he keeps developing. 
But those are the main guns for the wild. So you could say that the team is starting to take its shape once the young bucks take their places in the lineup in next coming years. The last team is none other than Le Montreal Canadiens. They got some future Europeans in their system as well, but most of their top prospects are from North America, unfortunately. The last players we will take a look at are Jan Maisek, Oliver Kapanen, Jesse Ylönen, Matthias Nurlinder and Dimitri Kostenko. And I understand that Maisek and Ylönen have already games under their belts in North America, but since both had short stints in Europe as well, I decided to include them in as well. Maisek is a ruthless two-way forward who excels on both ends of the ice. Last year was a bit of a disappointment for him, and to be completely honest, he didn't take the next step needed to get closer to the NHL ice. 11 games and only one point in Extraliga, and two points in 22 games in Laval are not what the organization is expecting from him. He has the tools to become effective middle six forward, but if he doesn't find his offensive game in the AHL, he could top out as a bottom six option, but I'd say it is still too soon to judge on that matter. Ulonen though had comparatively better season than his Czech counterpart. He started the season in Liga where he registered only 7 points in 21 games, but once he arrived in North America, the sound changed dramatically. 17 points in 29 games and also appeared in his first ever NHL game. To me, it seems that he's still finding his footing, but if last year's progress is something to expect for, we could see a big leap in offensive production next year. Hopefully defense comes along as well. I'm not sure where his ceiling ends up being, but I would say that if he finds a bit more offense and his defensive game doesn't suffer from it, middle six could be a suitable place for him in the best case. Another Finn drafted this year was Oliver Kapanen, and now he has his first league games under his belt as well. The right-handed pivot will fight for a spot in the Finnish top tier, but I won't be too rattled if he ends up playing in other environment eventually. He has so well-rounded game that I'm not too worried, and you can pretty much count on him regardless of the situation. Top 9 future is in front of him, and the two-way ability is his biggest asset without a doubt. Dimitri Kostenko is an intriguing one when it comes to have European prospects. The right-handed defenseman is a great skater and his puck-carrying ability really stands out. As you would expect, the defensive game is still in progress, but once he gets closer to KHL, I assume that that aspect will improve as well. Like I said, he has exciting skill set, and I could see him in the NHL as a more offensive-minded blue liner paired up with defensive one, but will he ever reach that level will be the question for the next few years. The last player in this episode is Swedish weeper Matthias Nurlinder. And if you haven't checked out his game yet, please do so, because this guy has gone under the radar for many. Third rounder with extremely solid two-way ability. Plays bigger than his size would tell you, and his skating enables him to cover a lot of ground, even in bigger ice surface. 10 points in 37 games during his first full year in the SHL, 
and add to that impressive 5 points in 7 playoff games. Starting to look a bit promising if you ask me. All around solid defender who makes his presence known on both ends of the ice. What more can you ask from a modern defenseman? He will make his way to North America after this season and in a few years should suit up for the blue, white and red. Top 4 ceiling and top 6 floor, so pretty much can't go wrong, I would say. But that wraps up the first episode on European prospects, and I expect you to come back next week to see who I picked for the other 16 teams in the NHL. The prospect episodes are probably one of my favorites to make, just based on the fact that you can never be certain with their future, and every player develops with their own pace, so it is exciting to see what kind of routes they take. Hopefully you enjoy as much as I do, or at least quarter of it, but if you don't, straight up feedback is always appreciated. I hope that at least you get some new information from these episodes, because that is also one of the reasons why I want to make this podcast. Everyone doesn't probably have time or interest to go through each individual team, and look at the depth charts or roster moves to see who the next top guns for each organization might be or how their roster is looking like before the season starts. But that's why you have me. I'll do that for you and the best part is for free. You just have to check in weekly to put the time in and I promise you I will deliver. That's a factory promise. I will put the information into compressed form and deliver it to you each week so that you can even listen to it through a straw if you mind to do so. But enough rambling, we got sidetracked a bit at the end but that's how the ship sails. Sometimes it's on course and sometimes way out of the course, but it is what it is. Once again, thank you so much for listening. It is so delightful to see that we've already established a core listener base, which returns each week for the new episode. I bow you. Hope you enjoyed, and like I said, come back next week to hear about the remaining 16 teams and their top European talents. But that's enough said. Hope you have a wonderful week. Remember, stay tuned, stay safe. Until next time. All right.